WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio proudly presents the Marian Hour with Father Dwight Campbell, spiritual advisor to WSFI and pastor of Our Lady of Mount Carmel and St. Therese in Kenosha, Wisconsin. One. And we are in the midst of this beautiful week between the ascension of our Lord and the sending of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost. This coming Sunday we are to, s to celebrate the great solemnity of Pentecost. And this time right now that we're in is actually uh, the time of the first novena in the church, the nine days between the ascension and the coming of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost. The apostles, the Blessed Virgin Mary, other holy women were praying for the Holy Spirit for those nine days preceding Pentecost, the first of the novenas, as I say. Well, let us begin today with a prayer. Um, I think it's my favorite Marian prayer. I'll ask you to join me in the Memorare. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, today, <coughs> in this interim period between the ascension of our Lord and the coming of the Holy Spirit, the birthday of the Church, as it's often called, um, I'm going to continue to speak about th the types of the Blessed Virgin Mary. It's been a couple of weeks um, since I talked about types, so I'll, I'll just give a brief review of what the Church means by types and typology. Um, the Catechism of the Catholic Church makes reference to um, the spiritual sense of the scriptures, uh, the first being the allegorical sense, and, and here typology fits in. A type is an Old Testament person, place, thing, or event that prefigures a person, place, thing, or event in the New Testament. In the New Testament, the fulfillment of the Old Testament type is called the anti-type. And it comes from a Greek word, tupos, which means a model. You'd uh, have a, a mold, which you'd put clay or wax in, uh, would be pressed in so that it would take the exact figure of the mold. And the Old Testament types are prefigurements of New Testament events or persons. In the case of Mary, uh, it's uh, the Old Testament types of Mary are prefigurements of her. And uh, the typical sense, as it's called, one of the senses of scripture, 
is an indication of divine inspiration and of faith in divine inspiration. Because God knows the future. God is outside of time. He sees past, present, and future. And he can arrange for, and he did arrange for things in the Old Testament to prefigure things in the, New, in the New Testament. And he did this with the Blessed Virgin Mary. And we have faith in this. Um, we, we have faith in, in typology. Uh, we believe that, that God, uh, knowing the entire plan of salvation, um, had certain people, events, as types of those events and persons of the New Testament. He did this in the Old Testament. In fact, you could say the whole of the Old Testament prefigures the New Testament. And the Old Testament, in many instances, prefigured or sh foreshadowed Jesus Christ, not only Mary, but Jesus himself, the church, the sacraments. Okay, We see, for example, Adam, the first Adam, was a type of Jesus Christ, who is the new Adam. Melchizedek, another figure from the Old Testament, a priest and a king. Uh, Abraham went to visit him and paid him homage, uh, tithes to Melchizedek, this priest and king, whose uh, genealogy is not stated in the Old Testament because he's a type of Christ. No one knew where Jesus came from. Uh, they didn't know his divine origin except the Blessed Virgin Mary, St. Joseph, and his immediate disciples when Jesus revealed this to them. Well, <coughs> other types in the Old Testament, um, you know, Jonah, three days in the, in the belly of a whale, uh, was a type of Christ, three days in the tomb. The Passover lamb was a great type prefigurement of Jesus Christ, especially um, his Last Supper, Jesus the Lamb, uh, fulfills the Passover Lamb in the sense that the Jews, the, the Israelites, I should say, uh, to have the angel of death pass over them in Egypt had to eat the flesh of the male lamb. Jesus tells us in John chapter 6, we have to eat his flesh and drink his blood if we are to have eternal life in the kingdom if he's going to raise us up. Well, Old Testament typology is also seen in regard to the Virgin Mary. And if you will recall in some of the previous shows that I've done, uh, the last show, because it was on May 13th, I, I devoted it to um, the, the Fatima message. And I, I had heard, and we, we were kind of surprised to see that the last part, the last third part of the show was cut off. It went to the regular programming. We don't know why. We think uh, Satan may have his finger in, in the, the pot here, stirring things up. <laughs> anyway, hopefully that doesn't happen today. Um, so with, with the Virgin Mary, if you'll recall from uh, shows back a month ago or a month and a half ago, I was speaking about how holy women in the Old Testament were types of the Blessed Virgin Mary. I started out talking about Eve. Uh, Eve is a type of Mary. Eve was 
the first woman, the mother of all the living, the saints, the fathers of the church, say that really she's um, the mother of, of those who were imprisoned in sin because of, of her cooperation with Adam in the original sin. The Blessed Virgin Mary is the new Eve, the anti-type of the Eve. The Blessed Virgin Mary didn't act like Eve, who lacked faith and disobeyed. Mary, in faith, believed what the angel said. Mary obeyed all that God wanted her to do. And um, so we see this typology with the first Eve and the Blessed Virgin Mary as the new Eve, just as Christ is the new Adam. Um, if you'll recall the famous line from uh, the fathers of the church, death through Eve, life through Mary. Now, in previous shows, I think a month ago, it was that I spoke of two figures in the Old Testament who are types of Mary, two women. One was Judith. There's the book of Judith. And Judith um, was part of the, the people near Jerusalem. They were being besieged by Holofernes, an Assyrian general in Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar's army. And um, being inspired by the Holy Spirit, Judith went into the camp and uh, Holofernes tried to seduce her. He got drunk and Judith cut off Holofernes' head and carried it out of the city. Uh, why I made reference to, in typology, Mary the New Eve, the Proto-Evangelium, Mary is the head crusher. She crushes the head of, of the devil, the serpent, and anyone who, who is working with, with uh, the evil one against God and his plans. Uh, I will put enmity between you and the woman, God tells Satan, between your seed and hers, and she will crush your proud head. So we see in Judith a partial, you could say, fulfillment of that. She's still, she's a type of Mary, though. Mary is going to crush the head of the serpent by conceiving, giving birth to Jesus, being at the foot of the cross with him, and, and Satan's final defeat at the end of the world, the triumph of Mary's immaculate heart, the final triumph that will be. Well, Judith is, is really a, um, a type of the Virgin Mary. She cuts off the head of Holofernes. If, and if also you recall, uh, last month, a, a month ago, four weeks ago, uh, my show was every two weeks, I spoke of another woman in the Old Testament, and, and she's found in, in the book of Judges. The book of Judges speaks of the, the judges who ruled Israel before the first king, who was Saul, about 1030 BC. Saul became king. But before that, for a couple of hundred years, judges were chosen by God to rule over the, the tribes of, of Israel, the 12 tribes who had settled in different parts of the Promised Land. And, and uh, one of the, the judges was Barak, 
and he was a, a general in battle, and Jael was a woman who invited the um, the uh, general Sisera, who was battling against the the Israelites, invited him into her tent and put a stake through his head. We see another example of, of cutting off or crushing the head of an enemy of God's people with Jael. She is a figure, a type of the Virgin Mary. Today, I thought I would speak of another great woman. It's, I think, the probably the, the quintessential type of Mary in the Old Testament, uh, and that is Queen Esther. Queen Esther um, was in Persia under, uh, at the time of, of uh, King Ahasuerus' rule, actually, he's also King Xerxes. If you read your history books, Ahasuerus is, is another name that he's given in, in the book of Esther. And uh, he is the king of, of Persia. This is about 485 to about 464 B.C., so, um, during this time, the Persians are, are ruling in the Middle East. Remember, if you go back into Jewish history, those who defeated uh, the Jews, the Israelites, uh, first there were the Assyrians, they defeated the northern kingdom of Israel in about 721-22 BC, and the southern kingdom of Judah, which was the Davidic kingdom, okay. uh, the Babylonians, who were the next great power in the area, they defeated the Assyrians, and they uh, marched on the city of Jerusalem and tore down the temple in the year 586 B.C. The Babylonians uh, took a number of people into exile. That's where the... Uh, Babylonian exile uh, takes place for many decades. Many of the, the Jews, especially the, the aristocrats, the, the members of the royal family, the princes, they were carried off into exile in Babylon until 538 B.C. And in 538 B.C., uh, the Persian general um, Cyrus defeats the Babylonians. And Cyrus is regarded as kind of a savior for the Jews because he lets the Jews return to Jerusalem. And they restore the law. They begin rebuilding the temple. And uh, so the book of Esther takes place during the Persian rule. King Xerxes, who uh, succeeds um, uh, King Cyrus, and he has a, a vizier, uh, uh, you could say a kind of a prime minister, uh, a, a ruler in his name, named Haman. And the, the book of Esther tells the story of, of Haman and, and Esther. And, uh, and I'll just read from chapter 1 of the book of Esther which kind of sets the, the scene for 
what's going to be happening with with Esther, who's not queen yet. She doesn't start out in the book of Esther as a queen. She is a Jewish woman living in um, under the the rule of, of the Persians. And uh, chapter one of the book of Esther uh, tells us that King Ahasuerus holds a banquet and that he ruled over 127 provinces from India to Ethiopia. He's a very powerful ruler, great um, uh, power over, over all these areas in, in the Near East and the Middle East, all the way to India. And he holds a feast. He invites his aristocracy, his nobles, to this feast. Uh, as well as the governors of these various provinces. And the feasts would go on for days. And if we keep reading in chapter 1 of, of the book of Esther, we see that in verse 10, on the seventh day of this feast of King Ahasuerus, when the king was merry with wine, okay, they were feeling pretty good, okay, he instructed... Uh, his seven eunuchs to uh, bring the queen, Vashti was her name, V-A-S-H-T-I, into his presence, wearing the royal crown to display her beauty. Queen Vashti was very beautiful. The king wanted to display her, his, her beauty before his officials. But Queen Vashti refused to come to the royal court and appear before the king and and his ministers. Well, uh, this doesn't sit well with the king because you you don't obey the, disobey the king in this way, and the the king summoned his his counselors and asked their opinion as to you know what should be done here because uh, she by refusing to come insulted the king and his guests and his advisors tell him Queen Vashti has not only wronged the king but all the officials and the populace throughout the provinces of King Ahasuerus. In other words, by insulting the king she's insulted all the people in the kingdom and that they advise th th his King Ahasuerus's advisors advised him to take remove the crown from Queen Vashti, um, so she is no longer going to be queen, to give her royal dignity to one more worthy than she. So this sets the stage for Queen Esther. And uh, like I said, she's not the queen in the beginning of the book, okay, the first chapter. Um, Queen Esther is a Jew. She was, she was an orphan, and her cousin, or we think maybe an uncle, his name is Mordecai. He uh, was in, this, in, in the province uh, that she lived, and uh, uh, Mordecai was, was a f acted like a foster father to Esther, and Esther was very beautiful, 
as the book of Esther says, the girl was beautifully formed and lovely to behold. And Esther was brought into the king's royal palace to display her and, and others before the king. He wanted to choose the next queen. Now, I'll leave off there because I'm out of time on the first segment. We'll return in just a few minutes. <coughs> Bishop Paul. I'm with the Diocese of the Midwest of the Orthodox Church in America. In terms of Christian Catholic radio, why is it important? I think it's important for radio to get out the Christian message about a view of life, a vision of life that is rooted in our very being as people who are Americans. So it's good to have the radio around to be able to speak to those issues, life issues that are important. WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio is committed to bringing quality Catholic programs to our local community. We only can do that with your financial support. Take a moment now to donate online at wsfiradio.org or mail your tax-deductible donation to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. That's WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. Donations of any amount are greatly appreciated. The Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is blessed with the opportunity to participate with WSFI Catholic Radio in the new evangelization. Holy Family is your local resource for books, CDs, and DVDs from Catholic Answers, Ignatius Press, and all of the other fine publishers featured on Catholic Radio. Holy Family also has the area's largest selection of baptism, communion, and confirmation gifts. Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is located at 9249 Old Green Bay Road, Pleasant Prairie, Wisconsin. More information is available on Facebook. Hello, this is Father Dwight Campbell. I am back on the air with the Marian Hour. And <clears throat> as I said at the beginning of the show, we are really uh, pleased to be in this time of grace because <clears throat> we're in between the ascension of our Lord into heaven 40 days after he rose from the dead and the great feast of Pentecost, the coming of the Holy Spirit, 50 days after Jesus rose from the dead and 10 days after he ascended into heaven. I'll say something else just um, because people may be a little bit confused. Uh, normally, the ascension is celebrated on Thursday before the seventh Sunday of Easter. But most of the bishops have moved the Feast of the Ascension to the seventh Sunday. So, um, properly speaking, the, the Feast of Pentecost takes place 10 days after Ascension Thursday. But the feast, as it was celebrated up in the Archdiocese of Milwaukee and I think in, 
in most dioceses throughout the United States is celebrated on the seventh Sunday of Easter. It replaces the seventh Sunday. So um, actually going liturgically, uh, Pentecost is just one week after the Ascension if it was celebrated on the seventh Sunday of Easter. This coming Sunday is Pentecost, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit upon the church as Jesus had promised. Remember, Jesus, before he ascends into heaven, he gives the apostles the Great Commission. This is chapter 28 of Matthew's Gospel. Go out and preach the good news, teaching all the nations everything I have taught you and baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And he told them to go wait in Jerusalem until the promise of the Father comes. That's a name for the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father and the Son, because Jesus promised actually at the Last Supper that he would send and the Father would send the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son as we profess in our creed, and you can say that the Holy Spirit breathed forth from the Father and the Son from all eternity is sent to the church on Pentecost, the birthday of the church. Pentecost is called with uh, the, the coming of the Holy Spirit. So back to the topic for discussion today. Um, I'm talking about typology, uh, a type, a person, place, thing, or event in the Old Testament that is fulfilled in the New Testament. That's the anti-type. With Jesus, we had types in the Old Testament. The first Adam, Jesus is the new Adam. Melchizedek, king and priest, Jesus is the high king and priest. And with the Blessed Virgin Mary, uh, there are types in the Old Testament of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And <coughs> I mentioned in previous segments of the Marian Hour, a couple of women who were uh, our types of the Virgin Mary. One, Judith, who uh, beheaded Holofernes, the Assyrian general. Uh, she went into his camp, and after he was drunk with wine, try, he tried to seduce her. He passes out. She cuts off his head. Mary is the head crusher. She crushes the head of the serpent. That is the Proto-Evangelium, the first announcement of the good news, Genesis 3.15. I will put enmities between you, Satan, and the woman, between your seed and hers, and she will crush your head. Mary is the new Eve. And she crushes the head of the serpent by giving birth to Jesus, by standing at the foot of the cross, and in the end, the final defeat of Satan, it will be with Mary. Um, Jesus, properly speaking, but Mary will be crushing his head as well. Uh, another figure of the Old Testament, a woman, a prefigurement of Mary, a type of Mary, is Jael. Uh, this was under the prophet Barak, and uh, a general who is fighting against the, the Israelites flees into her, her camp, into her tent. She puts a stake through his head, you could say crushes his head. Now, today we're talking about Queen Esther. Queen Esther lived under the Persian king 
Ahasuerus, also known as King Xerxes, and uh, the Persians, they defeated the Babylonians. They were ruling in the 6th and into the 5th century. The setting for the Book of Esther is um, about 485 to 464 BC. Uh, as I said in the last segment, the king held a banquet f for all the governors and officers of the 127 provinces from India to Ethiopia over which he ruled. That was the Persian Empire, great and vast. And he calls out his queen, Vashti, to display her before his guests. She refuses to come, and he takes the crown, the queenship, away from Vashti. And this allows for the appearance on the scene in the book of Esther. This starts at chapter 2 of, of Esther, who is not queen at the beginning of the book. Esther is an orphan. She has a relative, an older relative, cousin, or an uncle uh, named Mordecai. And Mordecai is her foster father. And Esther, we're told, was very beautiful. And the king wanted to replace King Ahasuerus, the Persian king, wanted to replace uh, Vashti with another queen. So they gather up the beautiful women. Uh, Esther is one of them. And uh, Esther is chosen to, to be in this, this group of women uh, from whom King Ahasuerus will choose his next queen. And uh, Esther's foster father, Mordecai, who is a Jew as well, okay, uh, he tells her, don't reveal your nationality or your family, okay, just, you know, don't, don't do this. So she doesn't. Well, <coughs> uh, Esther is chosen as the queen, and she uh, is given royal garments. In the meantime, and this is chapter 3 of the book of Esther, Haman, who you could say represents the devil, evil, okay, uh, the enemy of God's people, he demanded that everyone in the kingdom bow down to uh, kneel down and then bow whenever he passed as if people were worshiping him, giving him homage. Now, this is a Satan-like pride that wants, desires self-worship. So everyone obeys this command. Whenever Haman passes by, people get down on their knees, they bow down as if he's a god, so to speak, okay? Well, Mordecai, the foster father of Esther, will not bow down, will not kneel down and bow before Haman. And the king's servants, who were at the royal gate where Mordecai worked, okay, he, he was there at the royal gate, they asked him, why do you not obey the king's order? Because the king... Uh, Haman asked that the people bow down, and the king ordered it. So uh, he told them that he was a Jew, 
and that therefore he couldn't bow down before any person, place, or thing that was not God. Well, Haman sees this, and he learns that you know Mordecai will not kneel down before him, and he's filled with rage, and <coughs> he, in order to punish Mordecai, he goes beyond just punishing him as an individual. He thinks, oh, he's a Jew. It must be all these Jews who are opposed to our ways, our Persian ways. And he seeks to destroy the whole of the Jewish people in the empire of the Persians. And Haman goes to the king, Aswerus, and he says this. This is verse 8 of chapter 3 of, king of the book of Esther. Haman says to King Ahasuerus, Dispersed among the nations throughout the provinces of your kingdom, there is a certain people living apart, differing from every other people. They do not obey the laws of the king. Let a decree be issued to destroy them. And the king says to Haman, whatever you want to do, do, do as you please with these people. So Haman arranges for letters to be sent to all the royal provinces, 127 provinces, where the Jews are scattered throughout. And <coughs> the order is given to put to death, to wipe out all the Jews including the old, the young, women, children, whomever. Okay. Wipe them out in one day, the 13th day of the 12th month. So this decree goes out. And Mordecai, uh, the foster father of Esther, learns of this decree. And um, he puts on sackcloth, which is a penitential garb, and uh, he clothes himself with ashes, sackcloth and ashes, to do penance, and he encourages other people to do so. And <coughs> in each of the provinces, we're told, this is chapter 4 of, of the book of Esther, verse 3, in each of the provinces, wherever the king's legal enactment reached, the Jews went into deep mourning with fasting, weeping, and lament. They all slept on sackcloth and ashes. Now, Esther is in the court of the king, so she's kind of unaware of what's going on. And <coughs> Queen Esther's maids and eunuchs came and told her what was happening. And uh, Esther gets this message from Mordecai saying, Remember the days of your lowly estate before you were queen and invoke the Lord, speak to the king for us and save us from death. Well, uh, Esther replied to Mordecai saying that uh, this, was, this was a custom at the time that no one could just appear before the king, just walk into the court and, and appear. If you thought yourself bold enough to do so, the king could put you to death. 
you had to, if you appeared in the court of the king unannounced, you were taking your chances. The king would have to extend his scepter, his golden scepter, to the person. In other words, saying, I'll allow you to enter into my presence. So Esther tells Mordecai that you know anyone who goes before the king to into his inner court without being suffer, uh, summoned suffers automatic death penalty unless the king ex extends the golden scepter. And Mordecai urges her to to go before the king nonetheless. He says to her, do not imagine that because you alone of all the Jews will escape. Even if you now remain silent, relief and deliverance will come to the Jews by another source. Mordecai has faith in God that God will deliver the Jews by some other means. And then Mordecai ends this letter to her, who knows? but that it was for a time like this that you were, you obtained your royal dignity. So Mordecai is saying, it looks like God planned this for you. Okay. That, that, um, that uh, God arranged that you would be queen in order to intercede for us. So Esther writes back to Mordecai with the reply, go assemble all the Jews, fast on my behalf not eating or drinking, night or day, for three days. And thus prepared, I will go to the king. If I perish, I perish. So she's, she's brave, and she's going to go before the king, regardless of what happens. And, um, you know, you could see in these lines of, of Esther, you know, uh, a prefigurement of Mary, you know, Esther is saying, basically, how can I go before the king? You know, I'm not worthy to go before the king into his presence. You know, what does Mary say at the Annunciation? Mary says, you know, how can this happen to me because I do not know man? Mary does not think herself worthy of allowing herself to be the chamber of the king of kings to conceive him in her womb. So, anyway, having said that, um, I'll go on in, in the book of Esther and talk about uh, how Esther intercedes for her people. Okay, She, she tells uh, Mordecai, basically, if I perish, I perish. You could say, you could relate that to Mary's fiat. Let it be done to me as you say. And, um, you know, I, I think, I, I see here, we, we just have about 10 more minutes. I'm just going to go straight through that's yeah because uh, I want to finish up on Esther here and and I don't want to run out of time so if we take a break I started a few minutes late today so I'll just uh, keep going with with the story of Esther so Esther she bites the bullet you could say she is going to risk her life and go before King Ahasuerus so um, she is like Mary who intercedes on our behalf and uh, Mary is our advocate, and Queen Esther acts as the advocate of her people, the Jews. Well, Esther took off her splendid garments 
and she put on garments of distress and mourning, covered her head with dirt and ashes. And now think of this, she's a queen, you know, she's got this royal dignity, and yet she, she does this. And she prayed to the Lord, saying, this is, uh, this is actually chapter 4, section C, this is the New American Bible, uh, verse 14. She says, my Lord, our king, she recognizes God as the true king, you alone are God. Help me, who am alone and have no one to help but you. And she goes on to say, you know, she admits, you know, and I'll quote her here, we have sinned in your sight. You know, this is why God allowed the Jews to be conquered by the Babylonians in the first place and then to be put under the rule of other peoples like the Persians. She says, we have sinned in your sight. You have delivered us into the hands of our enemies. Now they are not satisfied with our bitter servitude, our slavery, but have undertaken to destroy your heritage, your people. And then she makes this appeal. Lord, put in my mouth persuasive words in the presence of the lion and turn his heart to the hatred of our enemy. So the lion is King Ahasuerus. Then she says, you know all things. I hate the glory of the pagans and abhor the bed of the uncircumcised and I abhor the sign of grandeur which rests on my head when I appear in public. So what she's saying here, she said she, this is her stating her her purity, her humility. She didn't revel in these these crowns and fine clothing as the queen. She wanted to just do God's will in all things. So um, the story goes on. This is um, chapter 4 and and then there are subchapters in 4. Uh, this is subchapter D and it goes on to say on the third day putting an end to her prayers. Okay, she Remember, she asked for all the Jews to, to pray, fast, not eat or drink anything for three days. She does so herself. So at the end of the third day, she takes off her sackcloth and removes the ashes, puts an end to her prayers, and she arrays herself in royal attire because she doesn't want to go before the king, you know, dressed in... in sackcloth and ashes. That would be uh, disrespectful to King Ahasuerus. And so she passed through all the portals till she stood face to face with the king. She's in the inner court. And he looks up, his features ablaze with the height of majestic anger. And because he doesn't know at first, he does, probably doesn't recognize who is this coming before him. And the queen staggered, changed color, leaned against the head of the maid in front of her. But God changed the king's anger to gentleness. In great anxiety, he sprang from the throne and held her in his arms until she recovered and comforted her 
with reassuring words. So we see here, Esther really risked her life. And then the king speaks to her. What is it, Esther? And raising the golden scepter, he touched her neck with it, embraced her, and said, speak to me. And <coughs> we could say at the same time here, Mary, uh, pardon me, Esther representing the Virgin Mary, she's a type of Mary, an advocate for her people. You could say that King Ahasuerus is a type in a sense of, of the Heavenly Father, okay? Because he clothed, uh, the Heavenly Father clothed Mary with grace from her conception and makes her, is going to make her queen of heaven and earth. Well, King Ahasuerus clothed Esther with royal garments. And now he is going to assent to her request. So, as chapter 5 of Queen Est of the book of Esther says, on the third day Esther put on her royal garments while the king was seated on the royal throne in the audience chamber facing the doorway. He saw Queen Esther standing in the courtyard, made her welcome. The king says, what is it, Queen Esther? What is your request? Well, uh, if it please be your majesty, Okay, this is, you know, the continuation of the story, okay. Um, hold a banquet and invite Haman to the banquet, okay. And um, actually, Queen Esther says, I have prepared a banquet. So she wants the king to come and to invite Haman as well. So the king obeys. He says, oh, it will be done. So we move on to chapter 7 of Queen Esther, and we say that, that the second day, during the drinking of the wine, the king says to her, Esther, whatever you ask shall be granted to you, whatever you request, even half of my kingdom. You see, this is, uh, uh, the king is, is very pleased. He's, he's going to grant her, her every request. Queen Esther says, if I have found favor with you, O king, if it pleases your majesty, I ask my life be spared, and I beg you to spare the lives of my people, for my people and I have been delivered to destruction, slaughter, extinction. And the king says, well, who is the man who has dared to do this? And Esther replies, the enemy oppressing us is the wicked Haman. Now, um, Haman had prepared that very day a gibbet. He was going to hang Mordecai, the foster father of Esther, uh, hang him on this 50-foot gibbet by the neck and kill him, okay? And so knowing that, we see that um, Esther uh, uh, then makes this appeal to the king, saying, the wicked Haman wants to destroy my people. And the king, he, he answers and says, well, you know, why, why? And Esther insists that this wicked Haman wanted to destroy her and, and the rest of, of her people. So the king orders that instead of Mordecai being hung on the gibbet, 50 cubits high, I should say, not just 50 feet high, cubits, cubit as I think two and a half feet, okay, um, that Haman himself would be hung from, from this gibbet and be killed instead of Mordecai. And this is the order the king gives. 
this order is carried out. And so you could see that when, when someone is, is hung from, from a noose, you know, their, their neck is usually broken, the, 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 the person suffocates, and you could say the head is, is, is damaged or crushed in a way. So Queen Esther, uh, you could say, crushes the head of the evil Haman and ends up being a savior, uh, an advocate for her people, just as Mary would be, is, and is still now the advocate of, of all of us. And the, the book of Esther goes on to say that um, the king removed his signet ring from, from Haman, transferred it into the keeping of Mordecai. So the man who was going to put Mordecai to death and all the Jews, um, Haman is hung on the gibbet, and Mordecai receives his ring. Be he takes the place of, of Haman in the, in the kingdom. And then the king stretches forth the golden scepter to Esther. She rose, standing in his presence. He says, let a document be issued revoking the letters of Haman, the schemer. And uh, this was for the destruction of, of the Jews in all the royal provinces. Well, Esther ends up being the savior of of the Jews, the advocate for them, and and for that reason is a type of the Virgin Mary. This beautiful story of of Queen Esther, and and we know that Mary is in fact the queen. Not only is she the mother of Jesus, she is the queen. We see her queenship revealed, especially in chapter twelve of verse 1 of the book of Revelation, the woman clothed with the sun, the moon under her feet, on her head a crown of 12 stars. And, uh, you know, besides her assumption into heaven, in the new calendar of the church, one week after the assumption, August 15th, the church celebrates the uh, queenship of the Blessed Virgin Mary, acknowledging that assumed into heaven now, she is the queen. She reigns her queenship is as vast and wide as her sons. That's the teaching of Pope Pius XII, who instituted the feast of Mary's queenship. I think our, our Marian hour is about to come to a close, and um, with that, I will end with a prayer today. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We fly to thy patronage, O Holy Mother of God. Despise not our prayers and our necessities, but ever deliver us from all dangers, O glorious and blessed Virgin Mary. Hope to see you two weeks from today for the Marian Hour. This is Father Dwight Campbell signing off.